This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Enchanted Island of You by L. Frank Baum. Read by Ted DeLorme in October 2006, Fort Mill, South Carolina. Chapter 6 The Troubles of Neural. That night Prince Marvel slept within the cave, surrounded by the fifty-nine reformed thieves, and suffered no harm at their hands. In the morning, accompanied by his esquire, Neural, who was mounted upon a spirited horse brought him by wool-take-him, he charged the honest men to remember their promises, bade them good-bye, and set out in search of further adventure. As they left the clearing by the narrow passage that led between the overhanging rocks, the prince looked back and saw that the sign above the gate of the cave, which had told of the thieves' treasure-house, had been changed. It now read as follows. Wool take him, king of honest men, his pleasure-house. Walk in. That is much better, laughed the prince. I accomplished some good by my adventure anyway. Nurl did not reply. He seemed especially quiet and thoughtful as he rode by his master's side. And after they had traveled some distance in silence, Prince Marvel said, Tell me how you came to be in the cave of thieves, and perched upon the casks where I found you. It is a sad story, returned Nurl with a sigh. But since you request me to tell it, the tale may serve to relieve the tedium of your journey. My father is a mighty baron, very wealthy, and with a heart so kind that he has ever taken pleasure in thrusting on me whatever gift he could think of. I had not a single desire unsatisfied, for before I could wish for anything, it was given to me. My mother was much like my father. She and her women were always making jams, jellies, candies, cakes, and the like for me to eat, so I never knew the pleasure of hunger. My clothes were the gayest satins and velvets, richly made and sewn with gold and silver braid, so it was impossible to wish for more in the way of apparel. They let me study my lessons whenever I felt like it, and go fishing or hunting as I pleased, so I could not complain that I was unable to do just as I wanted to. All the servants obeyed my slightest wish. If I wanted to sit up late at night, no one objected. If I wished to lie in bed until noon, they kept the house quiet so as not to disturb me. This condition of affairs, as you may imagine, grew more and more tedious and exasperating the older I became. Try as I might, I could find nothing to complain of. I once saw the son of one of our servants receive a flogging, and my heart grew light. I immediately begged my father to flog me, by way of variety and he who could refuse me nothing at once consented. For this reason there was less satisfaction in the operation than I had expected. 
although for the time being it was a distinct novelty. Now no one could expect a high-spirited boy to put up with such a life as mine, with nothing to desire and no chance of doing anything that would annoy my parents. My days were dreary indeed. He paused to wipe the tears from his eyes, and the prince murmured sympathetically, "'Poor boy! Poor boy!' "'Ah, you may well say that,' continued Nurl. "'But one day a stranger came to my father's castle "'with tales of many troubles he had met with. "'He had been lost in a forest and nearly starved to death. "'He had been robbed and beaten and left wounded and sore by the wayside. "'He had begged from door to door and been refused food or assistance. "'In short, his story was so delightful that it made me envy him.' and I yearned to suffer as he had done. When I could speak with him alone, I said, Pray, tell me how I can manage to acquire the misfortunes you have undergone. Here I have everything that I desire, and it makes me very unhappy. The stranger laughed at me at first, and I found some pleasure in the humiliation I then felt, but it did not last long, for presently he grew sober, and advised me to run away from home and seek adventure. Once away from your father's castle, said he, troubles will fall upon you thick enough to satisfy even your longings. That is what I am afraid of, I answered. I don't want to be satisfied, even with troubles. What I seek is unsatisfied longings. Nevertheless, said he, I advise you to travel. Everything will probably go wrong with you, and then you will be happy. I acted upon the stranger's advice and ran away from home the next day. After journeying a long time, I commenced to feel the pangs of hunger, and was just beginning to enjoy myself when a knight rode by and gave me a supply of food. At this rebuff, I could not restrain my tears, but while I wept, my horse stumbled and threw me over his head. I hoped at first I had broken my neck, and was just congratulating myself upon the misfortune, when a witch-woman came along and rubbed some ointment upon my bruises, in spite of my protests. To my great grief, the pain left me, and I was soon well again. But as a slight compensation for my disappointment, my horse had run away, so I began my journey anew and on foot. That afternoon I stepped into a nest of wasps, but the thoughtless creatures flew away without stinging me. Then I met a fierce tiger, and my heart grew light and gay. Surely this will cause me suffering, I cried, and advanced swiftly upon the brute. But the cowardly tiger turned tail and ran to hide in the bushes, leaving me unhurt. Of course, my many disappointments were some consolation, but not much. That night I slept on the bare ground, and hoped I should catch a severe cold. 
but no such joy was to be mine. Yet the next afternoon I experienced my first pleasure. Oh, the thieves caught me, stripped off all my fine clothes and jewels, and beat me well. Then they carried me to their cave, dressed me in rags, and perched me on the top of the casks, where the slightest movement on my part would send me tumbling among the sword-points. Oh, this was really delightful, and I was quite happy, until you came and released me. I thought then that I might gain some pleasure by provoking you to anger, and our fight was the result. Oh, that blow on the ear was exquisite, and by forcing me to become your servant, you have made me, for the first time in my life, almost contented, for I hope in your company to experience a great many griefs and disappointments. As Nurl concluded his story, Prince Marvel turned to him and grasped his hand. "'Accept my sympathy,' said he. I know exactly how you feel, for my own life during the past few centuries has not been much different. The past few centuries, gasped Nurl. What do you mean? At this the prince blushed, seeing he had nearly disclosed his secret. But he said quickly, Does it not seem centuries when one is unhappy? "'It does, indeed,' responded Nurl earnestly. "'But please, tell me your story.' "'Not now,' said Prince Marvel with a smile. "'It will please you to desire in vain to hear a tale I will not tell. "'Yet I promise that on the day we part company I shall inform you who I am.'" CHAPTER Seven, THE GREY MEN the adventurers gave no heed to the path they followed after leaving the cave of the reformed thieves, but their horses accidentally took the direction of the foothills that led into the wild interior kingdom of Spore. Therefore the travellers, when they had finished their conversation and begun to look about them, found themselves in a rugged, mountainous country that was wholly unlike the green plains of Hegg they had left behind. Now, as I have before said, the most curious and fearful of the island people dwelt in this kingdom of Spore. They held no friendly communication with their neighbors, and only left their own mountains to plunder and rob, and so sullen and fierce were they on these occasions that everyone took good care to keep out of their way until they had gone back home again. There was much gossip about the unknown king of Spore, who had never yet been seen by anyone except his subjects, and some thought he must be one of the huge giants of Spore, and others claimed that he was a dwarf, like his tiny but ferocious dart-slingers, and still others imagined him one of the barbarian tribe, or a fellow to the terrible Grey Men. But, of course, no one knew positively, and all these guesses were very wide of the mark. The only certainty about this king was that his giants, dwarfs, barbarians, and Grey Men 
meekly acknowledged his rule and obeyed his slightest wish. For though they might be terrible to others, their king was still more terrible to them. Into this kingdom of Spore Prince Marvel and Nurl had now penetrated, and, neither knowing nor caring where they were, continued along the faintly defined paths the horses had found. Presently, however, they were startled by a peal of shrill elfish laughter, and raising their eyes they beheld a horrid-looking old man seated upon a high rock nearby. "'Why do you laugh?' asked Prince Marvel, stopping his horse. <laughs> "'Have you been invited? Tell me, have you been invited?' demanded the old man, chuckling to himself, as if much amused. "'Invited where?' inquired the prince. "'To Spore, stupid! To the kingdom of Spore! To the land of King Terabus!' shrieked the old man, going into violent peals of laughter. "'We go and come as we please,' answered Prince Marvel calmly. "'Go, yes, go if you will, but you will never come back. Never, never, never!' The little old man seemed to consider this such a good joke that he bent nearly double with laughing, and so lost his balance and toppled off the rock, disappearing from their view. But they could hear him laugh long after they had passed on, and left him far behind them. "'A strange creature!' exclaimed the prince thoughtfully. "'But perhaps he speaks truth,' answered Nurl. "'If, in fact, we have been rash enough to enter the kingdom of Spore, oh, "'even my father, the bravest baron in Hegg, "'has never dared venture within the borders of Spore, oh, "'for all men fear its mysterious king.' "'In that case,' replied Prince Marvel, "'it is time someone investigated this strange kingdom. "'People have left King Terebus and his wild subjects too much to themselves.' instead of stirring them up and making them behave themselves. Nurl smiled at this speech. They are the fiercest people on the enchanted island, said he, and there are thousands upon thousands who obey this unknown king. But if you think we dare defy them, I am willing to go on. Perhaps our boldness will lead them into torturing me or starving me to death, Oh, and at the very least I ought to find much trouble and privation in the kingdom of Spore. "'Time will determine that,' said the prince cheerfully. They had now ridden into a narrow defile of the mountains, the pathway being lined with great fragments of rock. Happening to look over his shoulder, Prince Marvel saw that, as they passed these rocks, a man stepped from behind each fragment and followed after them, their numbers thus constantly increasing, until hundreds were silently treading in the wake of the travellers. These men were very peculiar in appearance, their skins being as grey as the rocks themselves, while their only clothing consisted of grey cloth tunics belted around the waists with bands of grey foxhide. They bore no weapons, except that each was armed with a fork, having three sharp tines six inches in length, 
which the gray men carried stuck through their fox-hide belts. Nurl also looked back and saw the silent throng following them, and the sight sent such a cold shiver creeping up his spine that he smiled with pleasure. There was no way to avoid the gray men, for the path was so narrow that the horsemen could not turn aside. But Prince Marvel was not disturbed, and seemed not to mind being followed, so long as no one hindered his advance. He rode steadily on, Nurl following, and after climbing upward for a long way, the path began to descend, presently leading them into a valley of wide extent, in the center of which stood an immense castle with tall domes that glittered as if covered with pure gold. A broad roadway paved with white marble reached from the mountain pass to the entrance of this castle, and on each side of this roadway stood lines of monstrous giants armed with huge axes thrust into their belts and thick oak clubs studded with silver spikes which were carried over their left shoulders. The assembled giants were as silent as the gray men and stood motionless while Prince Marvel and Nurl rode slowly up the marble roadway. But all their brows were scowling terribly, and their eyes were red and glaring, as if they were balls of fire. "'I begin to feel very pleasant,' said Nurl, "'for surely we shall not get away from these folks without a vast deal of trouble.' They do not seem to oppose our advance, but it is plain they will not allow us any chance of retreat. "'We do not wish to retreat,' declared the prince. Nurl cast another glance behind, and saw that the gray men had halted at the edge of the valley, while the giants were closing up as soon as the horses passed them, and now marched in close file in their rear." "'It strikes me,' he muttered softly, "'that this is like to prove our last adventure.' But although Prince Marvel might have heard the words, he made no reply, being evidently engaged in deep thought. As they drew nearer the castle, it towered above them like a veritable mountain, so big and high was it, and the walls cast deep shadows far around, as if twilight had fallen. They heard the loud blare of a trumpet sounding far up on the battlements. The portals of the castle suddenly opened wide, and they entered a vast courtyard paved with plates of gold. Tiny dwarves, so crooked that they resembled crabs, rushed forward and seized the bridles of the horses, while the strangers slowly dismounted and looked around them. While the steeds were being led to the stables, an old man clothed in a flowing robe as white in color as his beard bowed before Prince Marvel, and said in a soft voice, Follow me. The prince stretched his arms, yawned as if tired with his ride, and then glared upon the old man with an expression of haughty surprise. "'I follow no one,' said he, proudly. 
"'I am Prince Marvel, sirrah, and if the owner of this castle wishes to see me, I shall receive him here, as befits my rank and station.' The man looked surprised, but only bowed lower than before. "'It is the king's command,' he answered. "'The king?' "'Yes. You are in the castle of King Terabus, the lord and ruler of Spoor.' "'That is different,' remarked the prince lightly. "'Still, I will follow no man. Point out the way, and I will go to meet his majesty.' The old man extended a lean and trembling finger toward an archway. Prince Marvel strode forward, followed by Nerle, and passing under the arch, he threw open a door at the far end and boldly entered the throne room of King Terabus. End chapter 7 The story will continue on the next file.